Welcome to Retelling the Bible. I'm your host, W. Scott McCandless. It is my hope that in this podcast, I can help people to see the Bible in new ways. To try and turn the Bible into a simple history book or a journalistic report on ancient events is, in my opinion, to rob this amazing book of its power. I believe that the people who wrote the biblical stories would prefer us to enter into the narratives, suspending concern, for the moment at least, for what actually happened, so that we can focus on the powerful experiences of God that they were trying to describe. In season one, we are retelling the story in the Gospel of Luke of a journey made by Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It is actually a story that is described very briefly in the Gospel text, but that actually has a great deal of history and theology behind it. In this episode, we are going to ask why Mary and Joseph would have embarked on the difficult and perilous journey that Luke describes them taking. As I have been arguing on this podcast, it seems extremely unlikely, historically speaking, that the Romans would have forced them to do so. The Romans would have wanted to register people where they actually lived, so that they could come back and tax them later. So why did they go? Why go to Judea? Well, what if it happened like this? Episode 9, The Ram's Horn. rides into the center of the village and starts blowing on the shofar, the ram's horn. The horn gives a mighty peal that echoes over the small houses and structures. Nothing ever happens in Nazareth so you can be sure that it does not take long for every resident to come and gather around him, eager for news, eager to hear whatever he has to say. As soon as the crowd has formed, the stranger begins to speak. I have been sent to every Jewish village and town in Galilee to make this proclamation. The year of Jubilee is come, the year of God's justice and of a land set right. In this year of Jubilee, you shall return, every one of you, to your ancestral property, to the land that God gave to your families. A few make sounds of scorn and derision, 
for they had never expected to hear anyone make such a proclamation in their lifetimes. After some muttering, one of the chief residents of the village speaks up. Who proclaims this jubilee, he asks. By whose authority is it being held? By the heavens, the man shouts. The Lord's authority is the only authority that we recognize, and the Lord has laid his spirit upon Judas of Gamala, and also upon Zadok the Pharisee, to show them his will in this matter. A murmur runs through the group at the mention of these names. The people know that they are considered to be outlaws by the Romans and by Herod Antipas. Anyone who even associates with them is placed in grave danger. There is word that some have lost their homes and even their lives for protecting members of their rebel band, and so there is considerable fear in the crowd. But the murmuring also carries another current. It is a note of defiance, and even of hope, particularly among those in Nazareth who have lost so much, who have become slaves or day laborers because their debts pushed them off their land. Most of the people move away from the stranger, casting fearful glances over their shoulders. They know that if they are even seen with the man, there could be severe consequences. A few are not so wise. They form a tight knot around the man, peppering him with questions. Most of those who stay are those who have little to lose. They are day laborers or indentured servants. One of them is a local artisan, Joseph, the son of Heli. He is the one who seems most engaged in the exchange. The stranger talks with the brave few until he is confident that they understand what this proclamation means and what risks they will be taking by responding to it. Then he turns his animal to ride off, sounding the shofar again as he goes. In between the blasts, he continues to cry out, It is the Jubilee! It is the year of God's favor! Later, when Mary finally catches up with Joseph, she sees a light in his eyes that she has never detected before. You're going to Judea, aren't you? She says. I must. Something inside me tells me that it is God's will that I go and state my claim to what God has given my family. I dare not disobey the call of God. Well, if you're going, I'm coming too. But, but you can't. You mustn't. Mary, it's too dangerous. 
The roads are not safe. The whole countryside is in an uproar, and you surely cannot travel so far with the baby on its way. No, you'll have to stay with your family. They will take care of you and keep you safe. I will return soon enough to greet my son once I have completed the pilgrimage. Joseph, you are not the only one who must follow God's commands. I am the servant of the Lord, and him only will I serve. I will be a slave to no man and serve none but my husband. That's what the Jubilee is all about, isn't it? If I am to be your wife, then I am part of your family. It is as simple as that. The command to obey God's call is on me, too. But the baby... The baby is in God's hands as he has always been. He is a child of destiny, and his Father in Heaven will not allow anything to happen to him. Somehow, it just seems right that he should be born on such a holy pilgrimage. The couple discuss the matter long into the night, but Mary will not be moved from her convictions. When, two days later, Joseph has made all his preparations and is ready to leave, Mary is with him. He would have liked to have obtained a donkey or some pack animal to ease Mary's journey, but he simply did not have the means. Mary will just have to walk alongside him. She is a strong woman of hardy peasant stock. She assures him that she will manage. They both know that the journey ahead of them will be hard, but they feel a lightness inside them, a lightness that comes from being obedient to the voice of God. Gospel of Luke never says that the Romans forced the people to travel great distances to their ancestral homelands in order to register in their census. All it says is this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. It has been our assumption for almost 2,000 years now that the travel was the Romans' idea, but that is just an assumption, and assumptions can be wrong. I have just made a different assumption, that what Luke is saying is that the couple were not obeying Rome, but God, or at least what they believed God wanted. They certainly did believe that God gave the land of Israel to the people of Israel, and that it was God's will that they should be able to live on the land that had belonged to Joseph's ancestors. The scriptures and the traditions of their people were very clear on those points. If someone convinced them that it was a year of jubilee, 
that might be a strong enough reason to convince them to make such a dangerous journey. There is one thing that the traditional Christian understanding of the Nativity story never sufficiently explained to me. Why would Mary join Joseph on such a journey? If it was connected to the Roman census in any way, there wouldn't have been any reason for her to join him, especially when she was pregnant. Censuses didn't concern themselves with women in that time period. Women couldn't own property and so were not taxed. There was also no way for them to offer anything, such as military service, to the state. What would be the point in registering them? The census had nothing to do with Mary, so why should she travel? Of course, for Luke, she has to travel because it is essential, for the sake of his story, that she get to Bethlehem. Because Luke knows that the birth of the Messiah must have taken place there. But if the reason for her to travel is the census, it is actually a pretty flimsy pretext, and the gospel writer would have known that. I think that Luke had a better understanding of the historical situation than that, and that's why I think that Luke meant for us to understand that Mary was traveling to please God and not Rome. If you are interested in understanding more about how I came to understand the Nativity story in this way, and in finding out how I respond to all of the objections to this interpretation that you just thought of, I would suggest that you read my book on the subject, which is called Caesar's Census, God's Jubilee. You can find it in print at Amazon or most any place ebooks are sold in that format. That is it for this episode of Retelling the Bible. I am your storyteller, W. Scott McCandless. The part of Mary was played by Gabrielle McCandless in this episode. Join us next time as we listen in on Joseph's thoughts as he camps out by the side of a manger. The theme music for this podcast is Ah Da by Kevin MacLeod. The additional music on this episode is Full On, also by Kevin MacLeod. Both can be found at incompetech.com and are licensed under the Creative Commons. Merry Christmas to you and your family. See you next time. Here is the clickbait title for next week's episode. When you hear what he named his son, you'll go, whoa.